For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love First Corinthians chapter 8 is will be today. First Corinthians chapter 8, we'll start in verse 1 as we're going through the book of Corinthians. And in this chapter, Paul is answering a question that the church in Corinth had wrote to him and asked. And Paul answers this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And charity is love. Charity is love. And we know what puffing up means. That means we're full of pride. And pride is a destroyer of the relationship between you and God. Pride drives a wedge in between you and God. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. And so here he's answering a question now. It's touching things offered unto idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. The mere act of offering a piece of meat to an idol does not change in the sense that it's still a piece of meat. It still has nutritional value. It probably still may even tastes good. Nothing about that has changed. Everything stays the same. The nutritional value, uh, the flavor, nothing changes about it. But just having knowledge of this is, is not just a good way to deal with this matter because even though nothing changes about the meat because see they're writing to him about should we eat meat that has been offered to idols that's what they're asking and so as a christian you must use your knowledge but also love what do you say about charity charity edifieth And so when you come to a decision like this, you can't just use the knowledge that you have. You've got to use the love in your heart also. So you must you must think about what is right for you, not only what is right for you, but what is also right and best for others also. Because as a Christian, we should be setting the example to be Christ-like. Should we not? Absolutely. In the church, in our home, outside of the church, outside of our home, in our workplace, everywhere that we go, the things and the actions that we take, we should think about ourselves, but also what's right for others because they're going to see me in the way that I am acting. And that's what he means. But charity, but love edifieth. In verse number two, Paul continues and says, 
And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. And Paul says that guy that thinks he knows it all, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know nothing. And doesn't it make you think of a, a, a um, teenager today or a, a very young person? Maybe I shouldn't use the term teenager, but a very young person that's grew up in mom and dad's house, ate their food. Mom and dad's paid all the bills, bought everything for him. But yet that kid knows. You can't tell me. No, I know. I, and they really, they don't know anything they know nothing but in their mind they think they know and paul is saying that that's exactly this person a man to think he knoweth anything he knoweth nothing and this is the way vine's expository dictionary explains that if a man imagine he has fully acquired knowledge he has not even begun to know how to even get it or how it's gained that's what the Bible says. He, the man that thinks he knows it all, he doesn't, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't even know where to get to know something. That's what he's saying. And so listen, without love, there can be no true knowledge. The Bible says that, hey, if any man love God, the same is known of him. It shows in your life. That's what's known of you. They love God. And listen, when you love God, you're going to love others also. And when you love God, you're going to love those others. You're going to want to do what's best, not only in your own interest, but their interest also. Whether it's your family, your church family, a fellow Christian out in the workplace, out in the world. That's what he means when he says charity edifieth. Charity lifts up. Charity looks out for the best for people, whether they're saved or unsaved amen we should love the world as christ did many times christ looked across the world and cried in tears for those people that were lost dying and on their way to hell hey they need to be saved and we should live our life knowing those people are watching us amen those people need to hear from us look with me now in verse number four verse number four as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice and idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. Paul says, as concerning those things eating, it doesn't matter. There's, it doesn't, there's nothing to an idol. There's nothing in the world that matters about an idol. And you can make anything an idol. Most people stick to the core things, like in today's day, it would be money. I would say that'd be one of the biggest idols that there is, that people are chasing, especially here in America, and probably all over the world, the truth be known, is money, the almighty dollar. And many times we hear idol, we think of a little statue of Buddha or Muhammad or whatever uh, idol comes to your mind. And Paul says, Paul says, that means nothing in this world. That idol in and of itself has no power. See, Paul is not denying the existence of idols here, but he is denying the fact that they have no power at all. None. Only God Almighty has infinite and all power. And he says that there is none other but 
God but one. There is the one true living God. All these other idols, if you pile them up, would make nothing more than a nice bonfire. That is it. That they have no power in and of themselves. And listen to me, the only idol, listen to me, Christian, the only idol, can a Christian have an idol? Absolutely they can. They bring it in their life and they put it before God. But listen to me, Christian, the only idol that can have any power over your life is the power that you give it. It's the power that you give it because you're looking to it to satisfy something in your life, to fulfill some need. You've taken your eyes off of God and putting your eyes on this and say, boy, and you just, you may not be saying it with your mouth, but you're saying it with your actions that this will fulfill me. I need this. This brings me comfort or joy or peace or whatever it is. And listen, the only place that that comes from is from the one true living God. Like Paul said, we know that an idol is nothing in this world. That's what Paul says. They mean nothing and they have no power. Look at me now, verse number five. For though there be that that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. There are many false gods, and there's, there seems to be no end of a new one that will be coming up, or some new phony so-called religion popping up. But listen to me, there is only one true living God that has the power to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one true living God. And as this verse states, all things were created by God and for God, by the one true living God. Amen. That's what it says. And we in him and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things and we by him, all things are by Jesus Christ. All things are held together by Jesus Christ. The world in and of itself is held together by the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this verse, you have God the Father and his son Jesus Christ. Now they are equal because they are one in and of the same. They are part of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And those three are one. See, we, me and you, were created by God. And one step further, for God. And you are created to have a personal relationship with God, with Him, and that is only done through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our intercessor between us and God. Because a person can't just go to God without going to Jesus Christ. He is our intercessor. It's funny how many times you, you can pray or you can talk about God, but as soon as you throw the name of Jesus out there, that's when people start getting offended. As soon as you throw Jesus Christ out there, that's when it starts bothering them. That's when they don't want to talk about it anymore. Why? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. Listen to me. Satan knows exactly what he's doing. I want you to notice he doesn't attack the other religions. They can do whatever they want, but Christianity is always on the forefront of being attacked persecuted, ridiculed, or run down on the news or anywhere else or in person and people. 
Satan knows exactly what he's doing. And let me just tell you, what that does, that tells you, hey, that you have the right religion. Satan's not attacking something else, but he is attacking Christianity. Why? Because it's the only true, only true religion that there is. It's the only way to God. Amen? It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan knows that. And Satan wants to do everything he can to hinder him. And that's what false idols and gods are all about. It's to hinder people, to be a stumbling block. See, to mislead them. Why? Because he is the author of confusion. And God is not. God is not the author of confusion, but Satan is. And so the more things that he can put people out there chasing, the more false gods that he can create, the more confusion that he can create, the more he has people going in all different ways except for the one true way, and that is to the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, God wants every person to be saved. That's why he sent his son to die on that cross, that you may be born again hey, and be heaven bound. Amen. Look with me now verse number seven. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour. It is a thing offered unto idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Not all Christians, and when I say that, not all Christians, especially new converts, understand the full liberty that they have in Christianity. They don't understand the full liberty that they have within the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why if you're a more mature Christian, you need to be careful and set the example. And so so here the Corinthians, see they came from a, a, a background of idolatry and, and being used to idols. And so to them, by eating a meat that had been offered to idols, it was a sin because God had saved them out of that. Now, Paul is saying it doesn't matter if they offer them to idols. It doesn't change the, the value of the meat or the nutritional value of the meat. It doesn't really mean anything. But being the Corinthians had came from this background, they were saved out of that from from them offering meat to idols in the temple should they partake of that meat out of the temple. Now, I thought about that. What were these Christians doing in a temple around a temple that had something like that? Well, maybe it was a town gathering or a town wedding or who knows, a town hall meeting. You know, I, I really don't know. But in a small town or even a bigger town, you know what's going on. And this question is on their mind. So they came from that background and they, they did not want to commit idolatry anymore by eating that meat that they know had been offered unto idols. And so they think that the idol is a reality. Therefore, by eating of that meat, they don't want to sin. Now, is it a sin to eat meat that is offered unto idol according to the Apostle Paul? No, it's not. But there are much more things to think about. Is, is, that, is it just a sin? What else are the consequences of you making that kind of decision? And so the Corinthians think that, hey, the idol is a reality. Therefore, it must be a sin. And, you know, they're, 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 when I say this, this is not a derogatory statement. But they are weak in their faith, kind of like a baby is a baby is not born strong listen a bodybuilder or a professional runner they are not born strong when they're born they can't even hold their own head up 
They've got to be fed and cared for and grown and eat good. And as they get stronger and stronger and stronger, they can hold their head up, run faster, swim faster, and, and grow bigger and lift more. I mean, why? Because they're getting stronger. And listen to me. It's the same with the Christian. You're not born completely strong. No, you've got to grow. And that's why the Bible says that a newborn babe in Christ desires the sincere milk of the word. What do you feed a baby? Milk. And as you grow, you start to eat meat. And so when I say that, that they're weak, please don't think that's a derogatory statement. It is not. I am not talking about they're physically weak, but spiritually, like a newborn babe in Christ, they are growing. And I believe that's where the Corinthians were at in this statement, in this question. They didn't understand the full liberty in Christ as the which they had and as which you have. But listen to me, at the same time, at the same time, it would be like this. It would be like a person that grew up Jewish and they didn't eat pork at all because it was wrong. And then they get saved and they still feel that same way. Like I should not eat pork. It's just not right. So should they eat pork if they feel it's not right? Absolutely. They should not. They should not if they feel it's wrong. Should I do something that I feel is, is wrong, even though I may have a little liberty there? No, I shouldn't do that if I feel that it's wrong. If my conscience condemns it and your conscience condemns it, hey, go ahead and act on that. Just stay on that. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans 14, 23, whatever is not from faith is sin. So if, if your conscience says, hey, I, I don't want to do that, I probably shouldn't do that, then you shouldn't do it. And here's where I'm going with this. If you're stronger in Christ than a babe in Christ and you're around them and what you do causes your brother to stumble, causes them to go, man, well, maybe I could just get away with that too, being there doing it. Then you are causing your brother or sister in Christ to stumble. And so when we talk about making that decision, even though it's not wrong, there's much more to that decision than just saying it's not wrong. Hey, when he says charity edifieth, why I love my brother or sister in Christ and what I'm about to do, even though it's a not, not a sin, it's going to be a stumbling block in their life and their Christian life. And I love them enough and I love God enough that I'm not going to do that because it would bother my brother or sister in Christ. And so therefore I choose love over my, over what of my own desire, what I want, and I'm not going to do that. Amen. And that is true love. And that is living. And that is loving your brother in Christ. Don't you love that when they asked Jesus, what, asked God, what was the greatest commandments of them all? And the first one is love the Lord God Almighty with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is likened unto it to love thy brother as thyself. Amen. All the law hangs on those two things. How simple that is. Love the Lord God with everything you got and love your brother as yourself. How simple is the Christian life, but yet how complicated we make it sometimes. So in verse number eight, Paul says, but meat commendeth us not to God for neither if we eat, are we better? Neither if we eat not, are we worse? In other words, it doesn't matter. It's not going to make you any better and it's not going to make you any worse if you eat of it. Food in and of itself is not a big deal. Refraining from certain foods does not give you favor with God, nor does partaking in certain foods uh, make us better Christians. Now, when the Bible says this, the Bible is not referring to fasting here. 
Fasting is setting something apart, setting the physical apart, so that you can become strong fiercely. So it's not talking or referring to about fasting here, but it's simply saying, if I eat it, I'm not going to be any better, nor am I going to be any worse. And verse 9 says, But take heed, lest by any means the liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. That's what verse 9 says. There is nothing to gain by eating these foods. There might be, there might be much to lose, though, if in doing so I cause my Christian brother to stumble in his faith and in his walk to God. Do you see where then it can then become wrong? It's not in and of itself to, to bad to eat of that, but when it causes my brother or sister of Christ to stumble, that's when it becomes a real problem. Verse 10 says, For if any man see that thee which hast knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish from whom Christ died. Paul says, listen, for a flu slices of meat, it's not worth it to hurt your brother in Christ. Hey, and that can go for anything in this life. Many of us here in America are not going to have to worry about eating meat offered to idols, but there are many other things in the Bible that is not specific in the Bible. Don't do that. But we know if we do do that, it's going to cause our brother in Christ to stumble, even though it's not a sin. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin, but it, if it hinders your, your brother's or sister's Christian life, it certainly becomes a sin then, especially if you are the more mature one. You have an obligation and responsibility, and God's going to hold you accountable for what you do. He most certainly is. Listen to verse number 12. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. He said, when you do that, you're sinning. And it's not just you're sinning against them. You're sinning against Christ. So be careful to examine all of your actions because of the effect on others and refrain yourself from doing anything that caused your, Bryce, your brother or sister in Christ to stumble, especially if you're the more mature one. You have an obligation to set the example because God is going to hold you more responsible. And before you say, wait a minute, brother, that's unfair. No, that's not unfair. We do that in and of ourselves. This is what I mean. If a police officer gets arrested for a crime and he gets charged for it and he gets sentenced for it and he gets put in prison, you don't have any pity for him. Why? Because he took an oath and sworn to uphold the law that he then chose to break it. He made a conscious decision that I'm going to break the law that I swore I was going to uphold and, and, and be a servant of this community. And listen, when you're a Christian, you have that same responsibility to, to uphold the law of God. And God is going to hold you more responsible if you're the more mature Christian. He most certainly is. So we have an obligation to set the example. Verse 13 says, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh, while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. And listen, to offend, he means to injure spiritually, to injure spiritually. And so the subjects of meats offered to idols is not a problem for most of us today in, in, in America. There are many things today in the Christian life today which are not forbidden in the word of God. 
but yet they would still cause, they would still cause our brother and sister in Christ to stumble. And so we need to be careful as to when we make a decision, it may not be wrong, but let me look around and see who this is going to affect. Why? Because you should be setting that example for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the lost, that you may point them to the cross of Christ. They may repent of their sins, put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that died on the cross, defeated death, hell, and the grave, and rose again the third day. Amen. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352 352- 247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.